Perfect. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Black Menaces podcast. I'm your host for today, Nate Bird, and uh, super excited to be here. We have an amazing guest in studio today, someone that I've known for a few years, but I've realized yeah. that as long as I've known this person, I've never actually just like sat down, talked to them, and learned their story, and today, get the chance to do that. Uh, so, Asher, Head, will you please introduce yourself real briefly for us? What's up, everybody? My name is Asher. Like Nate said, I've, I've known him for like, what, like three years or something like, something that? like that? It's been a minute. Yeah. yeah, so I'm happy to be here, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Black Venice, so I'm really happy to be on the podcast today and share my story. Absolutely. Yeah, we're excited to have you, man. Looking forward to hearing your story. Uh, but before we do, you know what it is. We got our Menace Moment. Uh, and today we're going to be covering someone that was actually recommended to us by uh, one of our loyal listeners. Um, I'm not sure if they want to remain anonymous or not, but they sent us an email about this person. So if you hear this, you know who you are. Thank you very much uh, for, for recommending this person. But the person that we're going to be uh, doing today on the Menace Moment is a woman named Wangari Muta Matai. I don't know if I'm saying that right. If I am, good. If I'm not, then I'm sorry. Um, but she was a Kenyan social, environmental, and political activist um, who was responsible for the founding of the Green Belt Movement, uh, which is an environmental non-governmental organization focused on the planting of trees, e environmental con conservation, and women's rights. Um, she was born April 1st, 1940, in the central highlands of the colony of Kenya. Uh, her family was Kikuyu, uh, which is the most populous ethnic group in Kenya, and they had lived in the area for several generations. She began attending school at age eight, and at 11 years old, she moved to St. Cecilia's Intermediate Primary School, which is a boarding school at the Matari Catholic Mission in Nyeri. Uh, she studied at St. Cecilia's for four years, and then during this time, she became fluent in English and also converted to Catholicism. When she completed her studies uh, in 1956, she was rated first in her class and was granted admission to the only Catholic high school for girls in Kenya, Loretto High School in Limuru. Limuru. Uh, through a scholarship program known as the Kennedy Airlift, she became one of th 300 Kenyans selected to study in the United States in September 1960. She majored in biology with minors in chemistry and German at Benedictine College in 1964, uh, then studied at the University of Pittsburgh for a master's degree in biology. Uh, after receiving that master's degree, she was appointed to a position as a research assistant to a professor of zoology at the University College of Nairobi, but when she arrived at the university to start the new job, she was informed that it had been given to someone else. She believed that this was because of gender and tribal bias. Uh, she took a job as a research assistant in the microanatomy section of the newly established Department of Veterinary Anatomy in the School of Veterinary Medicine at the University College of Nairobi. And eventually she took a position as an assistant lecturer, then continued to teach um, as a professor, becoming a senior lecturer in anatomy in 1975 then chair of the Department of Veterinary Anatomy in 1976 and associate professor in 1977. And she was the first woman uh, to serve in each of those positions at the university. During this time, she campaigned for equal benefits for women working on the staff at the university and even tried to turn the Academic Staff Association into a union to negotiate for benefits. She was denied this in the courts, but many of her demands for equal benefits were later met. Uh, she founded the Green the Green Belt Movement in 1977 in response to the environmental concerns raised by rural Kenyan women. And uh, as an executive member of the National Council of Women of Kenya, she was involved in many different fights for political and tribal equality in her country. The Green Belt Movement has been responsible for planting over 50 million trees. And uh, because of her contributions to 
Sustainable Development, Democracy, and Peace. She was the first African woman to win the prestigious Nobel Peace Prize, which is Dang. pretty amazing. That's right? dope. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, and it's even more incredible because between 1901 and 2018, uh, only 52 Nobel Prize awards. So like there's multiple prizes that you can win, like mm -hmm. for like science and all kinds of stuff. Right. Um, and uh, only 52 Nobel Prizes have been given to women. Like out of all wow. the Nobel Prizes between 1901. So was that 117 years? Basically since Dang. the prize was started giving out. And 852 Nobel Prizes have been given to men. Um, so through her efforts, she became the first African woman and the first environmentalist to win the Nobel Peace Prize. And so that is a little bit about Wangari Muta Matai. She later just went by Wangari Muta. Um, Dang. But yeah, that's I mean, crazy. Right. Yo. Yeah. So she's a powerhouse of a woman um, to, to win that award. That's no joke. Very few women have done that and no one Definitely. in her position has ever done that. Right. So. That's super inspirational. Like I can't even imagine getting that far and doing all that. Like I wonder what her mindset was. Like if she thought, if she saw herself doing that or mm -hmm. if she was just kind of like, this is where I'm headed and I'm just going to keep going down this path, you know? Yeah. I feel like most people who are like doing big things mm -hmm. may not necessarily realize that they're doing big things at right. least at first, like mm -hmm. I'm sure at some point you get to the point where you're like, oh, this is big. But like when it first starts off, it's never like, well, this is the goal to like right. this and this and this. Mm -hmm. um, but it just kind of becomes that case in point, black menaces. Right. And you started out <laughs> just like really like letting off some steam and mm -hmm. um, it turned into like something much bigger, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, um, yeah, a lot of times it just starts with the little things. Yeah. It's cool. It's That's cool. what's up. Yeah. Any other comments on that? No, man, I'm just, I'm, as I was listening, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I heard you say, um, she started off, she didn't get the job that she left for. Right. She went out there for, they gave it to somebody else. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> like, yeah. what? Mm -hmm. But then she, it sounded like, from what I remember, it sounded like she was getting promoted each year, like to a higher position. Like she went from um, a TA to like assistant professor. And I'm mm -hmm. like, just every year moving up and up and up. And I'm just like, that is incredible. Like, right, right, right. And also to be the first woman in each of those positions. So yeah, she was like exactly. trailblazing the whole way. Yeah. And oh like, my gosh. There was a lot of stuff that I left out, like things that mm. like her husband, like things that she dealt with with her husband and like him accusing her of all this stuff and like saying Really? He, he separated from her because he said that she was too hard to control. And like he couldn't Whoa. control her. She was too strong minded for a woman. That was literally like his quote. And he was like a member of the government. He was in parliament and all this stuff. And then when she divorced him, then he like accused her of all these things like adultery and all this stuff. Wow. And of course, all the courts ruled in his favor because he was a man, man she yep. was a woman. So a lot of other stuff happened. If you get the chance to go check out her story, um, please do. I'll actually, um, our, our loyal listener sent us the link. And so I'll, I'll post the link in the show notes. But her story is pretty incredible. And I left out a lot just for the sake of brevity, but. I definitely recommend checking it out. Dang, dude, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. But incredible story. Um, and that's a perfect intro into another incredible story that we have to, <laughs> to hear today. Um, Asher, just to kind of start off and like, mm -hmm. you know, get us the theme of what we're going to be talking about today. Do you just kind of want to describe your intersections for us? Yeah. So I am a black trans man. Sometimes I say I'm a black man of the trans experience just because I feel like saying trans, like saying I'm a trans man, I feel like people focus so much on the trans part mm -hmm. and leave out like that I'm a dude. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but yeah, I'm a black trans man. I'm bisexual. 
and I live in Utah, which is <laughs> which is an Man. interesting situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, just to kind of give a little bit before you start asking questions, I so I've been in Utah for about six years now. I think it's been that long, which is way too long. No, that's very long. But, yeah. Um, and I moved out here. So I'm from Illinois originally. I grew up, I was born in Chicago. I was raised in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. So about an hour out. Um, and that's where I grew up. And then I went to school. I went to college in Minnesota for like a semester or so. Um, and then I ended up not being able to afford to continue to go. So I ended up actually getting kicked out after the first semester. Mm -hmm. And I was dating a girl from Utah at the time. And so she was like, Hey, like, you should move out here. We can be closer together and school is a lot cheaper, which it is a lot cheaper out here. Mm -hmm. So then I ended up moving out here and I was living with her and her family initially. Um, I didn't end up going to school out here. I actually ended up kind of getting into like sales and, and eventually started a business. Okay, but okay. Um, yeah. And so that's how I ended up in Utah. Like Man. a lot of people ask, like, how did you, why did you come here? And I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and I actually, I didn't even know. I didn't even know what like the culture was or anything about Utah mm. before leaving. It was funny because when I told um, some of my classmates that I was coming out there, like the first time I met this girl that I was dating at the time, um, they were like, isn't that the school? Isn't that the place with like the big Mormon school? And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, they're like, yeah, there's like a school that just like, it's like just for Mormons basically. And I was like, what are you talking about? Mm. And so then that night I actually went and I talked to her and I was like, so like, what is this church? Like this, like Mormons, what, what's going on? And there was just a deep sigh from the other side of the phone. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> I was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> like, what have I gotten myself yeah, into? Yeah, literally. Time? And I was just like, and cause we were dating for, I don't even know how long before because I met her online and all this stuff. So we hadn't, hadn't met in person. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew very little about her family and stuff. Um, so she ended up telling me like their family's a part of the church, but she's not like, she was inactive at the time and all this stuff. And I was just like, okay, so what is this going to look like with me coming out there, not knowing anything? Like I'm not religious. Yeah, I'm not conservative. Her family was super conservative too. And I was just like, this girl trying to kill me, bro. Like, <laughs> this is not going to end right, well. Right, right, right. So, yeah, we ended up meeting for the first time during Thanksgiving. Uh, it was like, I think it was 2016, 2017-ish. Okay, throwback, throwback. Um, yeah, way long ago. And so we came out there. I met her family and everything. And, and, and like, right out the gate, they were talking to me about the church. And I was just like, they were like, do you believe in God? And I was like, yeah. Mm. And it was just such an interesting experience because I was like, that's what they focused on mostly. And I mm -hmm. feel like it was because she was inactive and they hadn't heard very much about me, except for like that. I was I was super into politics at the time because like Black Lives Matter was taking off and all yeah. the stuff that was happening. Um, and they knew that I was fairly liberal. And so going into it, they didn't know that I wasn't religious and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, OK, and I'm also black. So. How was this going to fare? And they didn't know that I was trans either. Mm -hmm. So I was like, probably won't end up telling them that just yeah, because I'm not to, trying to die. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, a lot to say on the first, the first yeah, meeting. Yeah, exactly. It was a lot going on. And like the family, like the main thing that they focused on was like the church. And like, you. The, I remember her older brother said to me, he was like, you know, just so you know, um, you have to be a member for at least a year before you can get married in the temple. And I was like, 
What? Slow your roll. Yeah. Like, relax. Like, Calm down. Oh, yeah. boy. I'm just now finding out what the church even is. Like, yeah. I'm just meeting y'all for the first time. I have no idea what the heck is going on right now. And so, yeah, that it was it was a very interesting experience from mm. the gate. And so, um, did you want me to keep going? or? You know, I want to talk more about that. But before we even get to that, mm-hmm. I kind of want to talk about, like, you. Um, I want to talk about you growing up and, like, okay. what it was like um growing up in illinois mm-hmm. and like at what point did you kind of realize that your identity maybe didn't mesh with like what mm-hmm. was the norm yeah, yeah yeah so talk a little bit about that yeah so growing up in illinois i grew up so like i said i was born in chicago but my family moved out to the suburbs when i was like i think i was a baby okay. so i was pretty much raised in the suburbs like the northwest suburbs of illinois so if anybody's familiar with that mm-hmm. um if we, rachel was here she'd be losing <laughs> her, her yeah her <laughs> loves some chicago right <laughs> But yeah, so um, growing up, we living in the suburbs, like I come from a black family, my extended, my dad's side on the family, he, they lived out there initially, and that's how, how we ended up going. Um, and so I grew up in a predominantly white area, which was interesting because at school, and I was also like in honors and like accelerated learning and all this stuff. And so most of my classmates being in a predominantly white area, um, were also very white, very educated, all these things come mm-hmm. from a lot of them were rich and different things like that. And so, which my family was the complete opposite of that. So okay. growing up, it was like, it was interesting because it was a rural area and people, like I did experience a lot of racism, like casual racism, just from kids. I remember um, in elementary school, there was these two dudes that would, they would always say stuff like, stereotypes oh do you like eating watermelon like they would like flip their lips out to make their lips bigger at me and all Mm. this stuff and it was it was crazy and at the time i would just kind of like laugh it off because i didn't know how else to deal with it you don't know what to do with it yeah Yeah. and so but then it was even more interesting because i feel like now looking back i realized that like i internalized a lot of that Mm -hmm. because growing up like coming home to my family where they my my dad was very adamant about teaching us about like black culture and um just his experiences and all of that Mm -hmm. but then a lot of my interests didn't really match up with like i didn't really like hip-hop growing up and things like that like i i veered more towards alternative music because i wanted to fit in with the kids at school because that's where i was at most of my time yeah i can definitely relate to that yeah and so it was like like Paramore is one of my favorite bands, Panic at the Disco, stuff like that. And so my dad would be like, sometimes he would be like, oh, like you're white or whatever. Like you, you like white shit and all that. And I'm like, mm. okay. Like, <laughs> which is wild because black people invented rock and roll. First exactly. Yeah. I'm like, Paramore Jimi slaps. Hendrix, like, we claim right? Haley Williams. That, yeah, exactly. We, we love Paramore, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like, so that was interesting because it, it felt like it I was, I couldn't get a break. It was like I was getting it from both ends. Like, I go to school and people would be racist towards me. And then I come home and it was like, I wasn't black enough almost. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but obviously looking back, I, I understand where a lot of that came from and different things like that. Absolutely. Um, and then from a really young age, like talking about my trans identity, I realized, like, I always knew that I was a little bit different just because growing up, mm-hmm. I was very masculine, very tomboyish, like, or at least that's what they called it at the time. Now we know that it was just, I was a dude. So, <laughs> uh, right. And so like, I remember my mom would like pick out my clothes for me to wear and she would always pick out dresses and all this stuff. And I was like, I don't want to wear a dress. Like, I don't want to do this. Mm. Um, 
And when I got old enough to dress myself, I would always like we go straight to the men's section at like Kohl's and like all these things. Um, how did your how did your parents feel about that? Like when your mom would try to put you in a dress, mm -hmm. you know, like most moms, they want like a you know a girly girl mm -hmm. little daughter, right? Yeah. So like, what was it like um, when you didn't want to wear a dress? How did your mom react to that? Or when y'all went shopping in the yeah. section, like how did your family, how did your parents react to that? Yeah. So the whole me resisting a dress thing or any type of like feminine, I, did, I hated pink for a long time. Mm. She was not, she didn't receive it well. She was like, yeah. especially when I was young, because she was like, no, like this is what I picked out for you to wear. So you're going to wear it. Like that's the end of it. And so, and I would reluctantly wear different things. It got to a point sometimes I would like cut up my clothes because I was like, mm. if I, they're damaged, then I can't wear them. And so, um, but she eventually, she would stop trying to get me to wear dresses and like, she tried to transition me into skirts and then she did like skorts, which is like a skirt with mm -hmm. the shorts underneath. And I, I was a little bit more, right, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> and so she did that, but I was just very resistant to all of that. Um, and then when I got old enough to dress myself, my parents, my mom was like, she's like, oh, like she'll grow out of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just a phase. Um, like, yeah, she's a tomboy now. I like spending a lot of time with my brother. So she chalked it up to that. Like mm -hmm. I would, every chance I get, I would hang out with him and he played basketball and everything. So I started playing basketball, all this stuff. And she was like, it'll blow over. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but then as I kept continuing to get older, I was like, I kept going to the men's section. They willingly, like, they didn't have any problem with me shopping in the men's section or anything, just because those were the clothes that I was comfortable with. And mm -hmm. she, at that point, she was like, I'd much rather you like wear clothes now you now you can make your own decisions to yeah. an extent at least in this era mm -hmm. so you can do that and that's fine right and i i think for a long time she just figured it'll it's a phase yeah it's yeah, a phase okay. it'll you like it'll be done in, in a couple years or whatever mm -hmm. but still i feel like that's that's more support than a lot of like more traditional black families yeah. could expect you know what i mean like, yeah. i'm not saying that that's great but like even the fact that like Mm -hmm. It was kind of accepted a little bit. Yeah, that's, for sure. That's pretty good. You know? Yeah, it was. And I, I will say my mom has always been like my biggest supporter for sure. Like okay. she's always Love been the that. one that's like, she'll go to bat for me. Like she had, she struggled with her own stuff. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, she was like, I trust you. And I, I trust the decisions that you can make for yourself. And if you're ever going down the wrong path or whatever, like, I know you'll come and talk to me because we did have a really close relationship. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, like she's always been, she's always been that for me, like my rock. And so it was, it's not like growing up with her. I feel like even when I realized that I was trans, um, she, she had a hard time initially, but she, it wasn't like, she didn't ever push back on mm -hmm. me. She wasn't ever like, you're not, that's, this isn't right. Like, this isn't, this isn't who you are. She actually, like when I told her, she was like, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So I do want to ask before we get to that, mm -hmm. you mentioned a little bit about like some of the racism that you internalized, mm -hmm. right? From you mm -hmm. know, people doing making faces at you, yeah. saying stuff about watermelon and whatnot. To this day, I won't eat watermelon in front of white people. Bruh. I, like I don't even realize it. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. Where it's just like if I'm at a function, I usually don't get the watermelon if it's like a bunch of people I don't know. Just it's crazy. And that's like an internalized thing. Mm -hmm. It's not something that I consciously do. I just don't be, but like when I'm at home, well, I'll be smacking tearing on that, that thing, right? tearing it up, <laughs> like going crazy. But uh, at, at, you know, out in the front in public, not so much. Mm -hmm. um, 
But so you talk about the internalized racism, right? And how, you know, that can be uh, something that, that happens. Um, I definitely felt that same thing growing up, you know, like mm -hmm. my parents were very intentional about teaching us black history. We had like a wall of black heroes, right? But okay. there was also a level of internalized racism because of the things that I experienced being uh, at church and then also mm. being at school surrounded by a bunch of white people because I grew up, you know, in, in mostly suburban areas. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask, in addition to that internalized racism, did you experience any internalized homophobia? Uh, before, before coming out or like before kind of embracing your identity? Yeah, good question. I wouldn't say, well, yes, homophobia for sure. And even transphobia before oh. I even had the language for it. Mm -hmm. yeah, like yeah. both though, because I remember um, when I was little, there was an experience with my cousins. I don't, I don't remember what we were watching. I think it might've been Maury. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe there was a trans woman on the show and mm -hmm. like, my family was saying like, oh, like this dude's gay, like he's with the men, all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, like I was using slurs and everything at a young age. And so mm. it definitely was prevalent in my family, even though we did have family members who were like gay and, and had different um, sexual orientations in that sense. Mm -hmm. But I don't think um, the transphobia was as prevalent or as like known because that wasn't something that we had experienced before, but it definitely was instead of it being like, Oh, this person is trans and like, that's wrong. It was more like they're, it, they, they excluded their identity or they like invalidated their identity by saying like, they're not trans, they're just gay. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, it's not really a thing for somebody to not identify with the, the sex that they were assigned at a birth. Right. Yeah. And so, but at school, it wasn't that big of a deal, at least not to my face, just because I, my brother was super popular. And so everybody was like, we're not going to mess with this kid's sibling because we'll get beat up. Right. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. like, but at school, I did, like, I don't know if you ever had, like, Ask FM. Do you know what that is? Where you could, like, ask anonymous questions. Yeah, kind of like, man, I ain't yeah. about Ask FM <laughs> Bro, <forever. it's, laughs> It was, this was, like, middle school, probably early high school. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, like, I made an account or whatever and posted it somewhere. I don't know, Facebook maybe. And somebody asked me if I was lesbian. And I was, like... No, I'm strictly dickly, which is like yikes, bro. What? <laughs> like, Yo, the early 2000s was a wild, wild time. Like, like, the things that we said and did. What were we talking about? Honestly, I'm like, what is? What does that even mean? But so, like, I definitely think people suspected, but it was never like I never really got bullied outside of when I was in elementary school and they were saying all that racist stuff to me. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, it was like, oh, whatever. Like, yeah. we'll just leave this person alone, kind of thing. Um. But I do think that for me, just growing up in my family, there was, like I was saying, there was internalized homophobia just because for a period of time, like, it just wasn't even accepted in Black culture to be gay. And I feel like even now, we still mm -hmm. struggle with with the LGBT community. And so, oh, like, growing up in my family and, like, having people um, just say certain things like, oh, like, using slurs and different things like that, I thought, oh, it's it's not okay for people to, like like boys to like boys or girls to like girls. And so that was interesting because then I had like different cousins coming out and stuff like that. And so hearing them say some of that stuff and then later on identify as a member of the LGBT community, I was like, okay, so then, so then what was that? You know, mm -hmm. it's like, how did that, how did, how does that affect you? And I feel like even still now with my bisexuality, I feel like sometimes I struggle with certain things just because of like my upbringing and like not so much, the homophobia part but probably more like 
patriarchy and like sexism mm -hmm. even just mm -hmm. being like with me being trans and like liking dudes or dating a guy i feel like sometimes people might see that and be like oh you're not really trans you're just a lesbian or like you're not really a man if you like how can you be trans mm -hmm. and like dudes right and it's like yeah. well like, they don't they're not mutually exclusive like <laughs> yeah like trying to put everything into a box kind mm -hmm. of like yeah everything has to have a label exactly sort of mentality yeah that's interesting yeah and so that's a great question though yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I may have mislabeled it by saying homophobia. Would queerphobia be a better term to just kind of, like, encompass everything? To interpret, yeah, in a sense, but I think or I just, like being more specific. So, like, okay. there's, like, homophobia and then there's transphobia, okay, right? Gotcha, which, gotcha. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, specifically, I, I guess in that question, I was referring specifically to transphobia. Okay. I kind of put it under the umbrella of homophobia. Got you. Okay, but Got I, appreciate, you. I appreciate that answer. For yeah, sure. absolutely. And, you know, I think it would be very interesting to just really like break down and study the the psychology behind like the black community's relationship mm. with like with homophobia with queerphobia with transphobia and just with the lgbtqia plus community in general yeah because some of the most like prominent members of you know black society and you know all the different things have been very queer and mm -hmm. pretty open about it yeah but like there's still this like undercurrent of mm -hmm. of hatred and and fear associated with that but i mean if you think about people like and we just kind of like pick and choose and excuse where it's okay exactly like, look at prince mm -hmm. right come on man why come look on you can't prince. tell this me this man his whole ass cheeks out, <laughs> literally bro, at, on stage like, and people yeah prince love prince mm -hmm. love michael prince. jackson we don't know yeah i mean there's probably some other things going on yeah there, but he definitely had you know we can speculate whatever then you got mm -hmm. angela davis mm -hmm. a, a open lesbian Man, yep. right? you got james baldwin i was about to say james baldwin yep. you got marsha p johnson mm -hmm. who was a, a trans woman um, who yep. is the one who basically started, started. the whole pride parade yep. like whenever you see a pride festival marsha p johnson, marsha p. johnson yep. started the original Thank ones you. right so <laughs> you got all of these these black queer people doing big things within the black community mm -hmm. like right there and who who was it the um Last week, or a couple weeks ago, Sebastian did one on uh, uh, Baynard Rustin. I can't remember his name at the moment. It's slipping my head. I think I know who, I know who you're talking was, about. I think he I was the one who orchestrated the March on Washington. Oh, and yeah. he was a gay, mm -hmm. a gay He worked very close with MLK. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember mm -hmm. him so, saying that. Know, all of these different things where it's like, black queer people have always been a part of the movement. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, the black community as a whole just has trouble accepting that yeah queer people and so mm -hmm. I, I think that would be something very interesting to study but. it would be and even somebody um polly murray was a prominent black trans man who later on in their life realized that they were trans and were doing different things mm -hmm. but they helped write like the the legislature for when thurgood marshall was arguing for the brown versus the board of education really? like that yeah polly Martin? Polly murray yeah i, I oh polly polly murray yeah polly murray okay mm -hmm. i've never heard of polly murray I yeah Crazy That's a minute's stuff. moment in the making. I'm making note right now. <laughs> Do it. It's worth it. Wow. They did a whole documentary on them. And I was like, this is incredible. Because I feel like, like you said, the Black community has a hard time accepting people from the LGBT community. And I feel like, honestly, I feel like people talk about Black culture a lot and how we set the trends and everything. And I'm like, mm -hmm. honestly, I feel like it starts even before then. Maybe not before, but like Black queer culture kind of sets the trends mm -hmm. even more so like beyonce just did a whole tour honoring yeah. queer people bro yep. like the house music all these things yeah. come from black queer culture and so it's like dang bro when y'all gonna give us our flowers mm -hmm. right <laughs> so no for real and especially even like the way that we the way that we talk right now 
Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of the the slang that we use or like the terms that mm-hmm. are kind of like oh the the period. I was gonna curve, say period like, slang. Yeah, right. All that's of it. All black queer mm-hmm. culture, right? So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in, in the decades to come. For yeah, sure, for sure. And definitely. You've kind of strayed off. No, you're good. I actually, bit, but... well, we're going to stay on this path for just a little bit longer. Yeah, let's go. Come on. <laughs> but I was actually, something that I wanted to talk about was how, like, sometimes, and this, we can talk, we can touch on this a little bit more later, but sometimes with me being Black and trans or Black and queer, it's like, mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like when I'm entering queer spaces, I have to leave my Blackness behind. Mm. And sometimes when I'm entering Black spaces, I have to leave my, my queerness behind. And I feel okay. like that has to do with the fact that, like, there's a lot of different intersections, a lot of different homophobia and transphobia and all the kinds of things and that intersect with the black culture and black community and stuff like that. So Okay. That's very interesting. I because you know, I've heard I've heard of, you know, people saying like, you know, maybe biracial people talking about their identity saying, Oh, I'm not black enough for, mm-hmm. for my black family or my black friends. I'm not white enough for my white family or my white friends. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard um anything similar through the lens of, of being queer. So that's mm. something that's very interesting to me. Can yeah. You, you want to kind of just like elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah. I feel like sometimes in queer spaces, even though they're they're they can be very diverse in the sense of like gender identity or sexual orientation, mm-hmm. they're still, and especially in Utah, because it's a predominantly white area, they can still be very white. Mm. And I feel like even outside of Utah, queer space can be very white where it's like, oh, this is like, Part of queer culture, I would say, um, is, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's just like you enter into certain spaces and you can tell, like for me as a black person, because I do have like another set of culture that I adhere to, which is like, which is black culture, you enter into these queer spaces and it's like, oh, like y'all aren't talking about the type of music that I listen to. You're not talking about the type of movies that I like, or um, even just like different interests that I have. It's very different from what they're talking about and i feel like i have to abide by what they're talking about like i i like anime but i'm not super big into it but and that's a huge part of black culture too but it's just something Mm -hmm. that i'm not you know super versed in yeah or even like sometimes musical theater can even be a a huge thing in the queer community Mm -hmm. and i feel like sometimes the the plays and stuff that they're interested in are more geared towards white people than it is like black people and so it's just it's an interesting thing when you when you are part of multiple different communities and this is, comes with intersectionality, but like, and you feel like you don't belong to either one, right? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of touches on how like biracial people feel like they're not enough in either section, but it definitely can be difficult when you, it's like things like in circle, I've gone to like the friendship circles there and I'm just like, okay, I'm the only black person. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. all right. And they do, they even have like a, like a BIPOC circle that they do. But when I went to it, there was like me and one other person I was still, the only black person. Mm. And so something that I would really love to see happen is something that, I, that I'm trying to create my, on my, myself is a space for black trans people specifically, but black queer people in its entirety, just because I feel like we, I know we're out here, but I feel like we're so spaced out because we're maybe searching for a space that's just for us. Mm, that if that makes sense. sense. Does that yeah. kind of answer your question a little bit? Yeah, that does. Okay, that no. makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so Kind of, kind of, if we can kind of steer back to yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like the main conversation, <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your coming out experience. Mm-hmm. Like, when did that take place? Was it in high school? Was it after high school? And then, um, you know, how was it um, like first coming out to family or to mm-hmm. friends and then kind of coming out more publicly? What was that like for you? Yeah, good question. So I came out um, officially 
October of, I think it was like 20, I was in high school. So like 2015, I think it was my, okay. my junior year of high school. Um, so you would have been what, like 16, 17, 15, 15. I was 15. Okay. Yeah. So I guess going into my junior year, it was before my junior year. Okay. Um, and initially, so I realized I was trans and it's, I like low key. Sometimes I'm like, I don't like telling people this because I feel mm. like, but I'll, I'll say, so I, um, actually ended up taking like something similar to like a Buzzfeed quiz, which it was like, are you a boy? Or are you a girl? But it wasn't like, it wasn't scientifically back, not yeah. a legit thing at all. I was we like, I don't even, quiz. yeah. right. <laughs> and so I was like, why do they even have this anyway? Um, when I was answering the questions, like it was very blatant. Like, do you like, um, like what are your interests? And it was like basketball, um, Barbies, I don't know, just like very stereotypical things. Mm -hmm. And the way that I answered the questions, I answered in a way where I knew at the end of the test, I would get girl, but I didn't, and I didn't answer in a way that I would have answered if I was answering honestly, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And so I was like, so after I took the test, I was like, why did I do that? Right. I'm like, why did I, why did I intentionally choose answers that would give me girl when I know that that's like not how I would have answered honestly. And I just kind of started diving deeper into, and I was like, there are all these things that I do that like, I'm like, I don't like doing certain things. Like I don't like, I didn't like playing with Barbies when I grew up. I didn't like dressing, dressing like girl. I don't like when people see me as a girl because I don't really feel like that on the inside. Mm-hmm. And I was actually talking to um, this girl that I met online at the time. Um, Cause I feel like me going online and talking to people was like my escape from everything that was going on in my life because mm-hmm. I had, I very had a very tumultuous childhood. So I always needed a place to like retreat to. Um, and I had met her and she thought that I was a dude. Um, and I didn't, like, I never corrected her on it. I mm. was like, I'm just gonna let you think that because the, it, and now, like, when I would talk to her, I'm like, I feel the most myself when I'm talking to this person. Mm. And that's what led me to take the quiz in the first place. I was like, why, like, what is going on here? And as I, like, I started researching things and I was like, I feel like a boy, but I'm not a boy, I think. And so I, I started Googling stuff. And I found the term transgender on this website. It was like, I don't remember the name of the website. Mm-hmm. But I, when I read the definition, I was like, mm-hmm. what? I was like, this is a thing? I was literally, I was like, it felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. And I was like, this is me. Wow. I was like, there's, I was like, I don't think I've ever been able to put this into words before because like, I didn't have the words for it. Like, yeah. then, and the way that it was defined at the time was like, you feel like, a boy trapped in a in a girl's body mm-hmm. and i was like yes yes i do and so um then like i told i told the girl that i was talking to at the time that and she was like oh my gosh what she's like she was confused because she thought she was talking to like a guy the whole time like a cis oh, guy the mm-hmm. whole time yeah, yeah. but then she ended up kind of like she d- delved deeper into it with me and she was like is this like is this really how you feel all this stuff i was like yeah um I was like, thank you for being here for me, all this stuff. And I ended up, she's like, well, she's like, do you think you should tell somebody? And I was like, who? Mm. And she's like, you should probably tell your parents. And I was like, I don't know about that. Right. <laughs> I was like, I don't know about that. But even before, before I even told my parents, I I actually prayed about it because I'm a, I'm a very spiritual person. And so, and I believe in God. And so when I, like, when I came to terms with it for myself, I was like, I laid down in my bed and I was like, God, if I'm a boy, like, tell me I'm a boy. 
Mm. And I immediately started crying and it felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. And I was like, and I took that as a, I took that as like, yes, like mm-hmm. this is, this is who you are. And so when that happened, I think it was like the next day, um, I told my mom, uh, I was like, and I went into her room. I was like, Hey mom, I have to tell you something. And she was like, what's up? And I was like, and I just laid it flat out. I was like, I'm a boy. And she was like, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. And I was taken aback. I was like, what do you mean that makes a lot of sense? And she's like, do you know that when you were, um, I think I was maybe like four or something. It, we were at an age where my brother and I would take baths together because we were so young. Mm-hmm. And she said, when you and your brother would take baths together, you looked at me and you asked me like, where's my penis? And I was like, what? And she's mm. like, yeah. And I, she's like, I told you that like you didn't have one and you wouldn't have one. And she's like, you threw a fit. Mm. She's like, you were so upset. And I was like, why didn't you tell me this? <laughs> I'm like, why am I right. just now finding out? But and it was so interesting too, because like all throughout growing up, like, like I said, like whenever she would try to do things that were traditionally girly for me, I, I rejected it so viciously. And so mm. I was like, you didn't think like, Hey, maybe, maybe something's a little off here. (laughs) And so, um, so I told her first and I told my brother and my sister, they were both like super accepting. The last person that I told was my dad because I knew he was going to struggle the most. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it was actually, I think I told my dad like months later Mm -hmm. and I told him on his birthday, which was probably not, (laughs) yeah, I know. Interesting decision. Um, so um, I told him while my mom was there and I was like, hey, dad, like, I need to talk to you. And he's like, OK. And I told him the same thing. I was like, I'm a boy. And he's like. What? And I was like, yeah, like, I'm a boy. And he's like, so you're gay. And I was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> that sounds like that interview. You know what I'm talking about? Why are you gay? no no you're good but i was like no my mom was in the room too she's like no that's not what she said she at the time she's like that's not what she's saying mm-hmm. and i was like no like and i described it to him i was like i feel like i'm a boy trapped in a girl's body mm-hmm. and he i don't think he really like processed it in the moment yeah but his response he was like he's like okay he's like what well, I, I love you you know and i was like I love you too. And I left the room because I was like, that is not at all how I thought it was going to go. Like, I thought he was going to be mad. Like, I thought he was going to scream and yell at me. And yeah. I was like, wow, that actually went really well. And then, <laughs> and then and time then passed. Yeah. And it like okay. set in for him. And he was like, absolutely not. Like, mm-hmm. this is not. And I think it really hit him when I started going to the doctor because, like, as soon as, as soon as I, for me, like, I was like, okay, I know that I'm transgender. And then I researched like different things that you could do. And so like, I found out about like top surgery and like hormone replacement therapy and all this stuff. And I was like, immediately, yes, give mm-hmm. me that because mm-hmm. I'm not going to keep living my life like this. Like, this is like, this is the reason why I've been so miserable growing up. Like I've had, I've needed uh, outside of various different things. It's like when I don't feel at home in my body and I'm like retreating from the world, it's, it's, this is why, like, I don't feel like I can be myself anywhere I go. Mm. And like, I'm always searching for like, why am I so different? Right. And so immediately I was like, yep, take me to therapy, whatever I got to do, change my name, like whatever I got to do, let's, let's get it done because I don't want to be miserable anymore. And my mom was way quicker to like hop on the train with me. My dad was a little bit slower. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and it was when I started going to therapy to start taking hormones mm-hmm. is when my dad was like, uh-uh. And it was crazy because when I started going to the doctor, excuse me, um, they said I was, I was 15 at the time. Yeah. And they were like, because you're a minor, we need both parents to sign off on this. Mm. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. Because <laughs> I knew he, I was like, there's nothing in this. I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to have to wait till I'm 18, I guess. Like, I don't know what I'm going to mm. do. And so, but I did like, I was like, I was like, okay. Like my mom was like, I'll talk to your dad and all this stuff. And I was like, okay. So she had the conversation with him. He was still like, no, he's like, what do you mean you're a boy? Um, He told his side of the family and they weren't super accepting initially. Like my auntie was like, she just needs to accept the fact that she's gay. I'm like, if I was gay, if I was a lesbian, I would have no problem telling you that I liked girls. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you really think that I would come to you and tell you that I'm a man right. before yeah. I tell you that I like women? <laughs> like, it's, just, it's a hard thing to wrap one's mind around. Yeah. Like I, I don't even think I knew the term trans until maybe like the last five or six years mm, when I finally yeah. learned it. And I had met someone who was trans before, mm-hmm. but I didn't understand what that meant. Right. And so, yeah. yeah, I think it's probably just a very difficult thing for people to wrap their heads around. Yeah. They've never like learned what that means. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? so, Absolutely. Yeah, for, for your family to be like, no, no, you just a lesbian. Bro. Right. <laughs> I feel like that's very much like them trying to make sense, sense of, of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I was just like, that's so interesting to me that y'all are, I'm like, okay. But, um, so it ended up being a thing where I, I had, I talked to him about it and he, Initially, he's like, he, he gave me all the things that, like, people from Christian families or whatever here is like, if God wanted you to be a boy, you'd be a boy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God made me a boy. That's why I'm telling you I'm one. So, <laughs> joke's on you, Can't buddy. Argue with that, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, um, God doesn't make mistakes, all the things. And I was like, I never said that it was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Like, he made me this way and I'm this way. And I, and like, that's who I am. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it got down to a point where I, I think, my 16th birthday, he, I don't remember if he like sat me down or if I sat him down, but we ended up having a conversation and I, um, he was like, so he's like, you want me to sign these papers? I was like, yes. Like, I was like, I don't want you to, I need you to. I was like, this is my life. Mm-hmm. I, and I put it to him in a way. I was like, imagine if you needed open heart surgery and, and you were waiting for a donor. And the only thing that you needed to get your new heart was for somebody to sign a piece of paper. Mm. And they were telling you that you w- they wouldn't do it. How would you feel? And he was like, I didn't realize that it was life or death for you. Mm. And I was like, yeah, dude. Like, I can't keep living my life in a way that makes me miserable. Like, yeah. I literally don't want to continue on this earth. Mm. Right? And so he signed the papers that day. He was like, all right, like... He's like, I refuse to bury my child. So mm. he signed the papers. And I think not too long after that, um, I started hormone replacement therapy. And before all that happened, I ended up coming out. I don't think my extended family knew for a long time. Like my immediate family knew initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was October. It was like National Coming Out Day, actually. I don't think I planned that. I don't think I knew that, that was a thing at the time. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened to be that day. And I post, I wow. made a YouTube video and I posted it on YouTube and I posted it on Facebook to like come out to all my friends on Facebook. So like school, friends, family. 
Um, and I didn't tell my parents that I was doing that. So they mm. weren't happy that I posted the video on YouTube. And they talked to me about it after. And they were like, you should have told us that you're going to do this. So that way, if you did receive like any like negative comments or anything like that, like we could have been there for you. Mm. I didn't get any negative comments when I came out on Facebook. That's like good. my friends, it was, I like surprisingly had a very supportive upbringing when I came out as trans. Like I didn't, like I didn't, I wasn't bullied for it or anything like that. I think the hardest thing for me to deal with was like my own family, honestly, you really be your own, you know, but like, um, and so like everybody outside of that, at least not to, like, like I said, not to my face, they never said anything hurtful to me or anything like that. Um, all of my friends are super supportive. It was just like a transition for them to like use my new name and use the correct pronouns and all that. Um, yeah. and so, but yeah, after I came out, on facebook like I, I was playing basketball at the time so i was playing on the on the girls team and so that was difficult to navigate because mm -hmm. it was like so you want us to call you asher you want us to use he him pronouns but you're also like on the court like how are we gonna navigate this are you still gonna play on the team all that stuff um i ended up I finished out the season that year and then I tore my ACL at mm -hmm. the beginning of my junior year playing basketball. So I, I just sat on the bench and I like was like the assistant coach or whatever okay. team manager. Yeah. Um, but it's still like navigating locker room situations, like mm -hmm. all the girls, they knew me. And so they're like, you're fine. Like come in. It's not mm -hmm. a big deal. Um, so yeah, high school and everything, it wasn't the the most difficult part of high school, like transitioning in high school was the fact that, people weren't used to you calling me Asher and saying he and him. Mm. And so, um, yeah, outside of that, it wasn't too hard, but I was ready to leave just because I, it was such a transition for everybody around me. And I was like, I can't wait to go off to college so that I don't have to deal with like people knowing me as my dead name and like knowing me as a girl before, like yeah. I'll get a fresh start kind of thing. Um, and so when I went to, when I went to Minnesota, it was like, cool you're asher you're a dude we don't know the other we don't know otherwise unless you say something and so yeah. that was super nice but and then like i was saying earlier my extended family on my dad's side they weren't the most supportive so that was a struggle too with like um like family functions and stuff with them like seemingly going out of their way to misgender me and use mm. my dead name and stuff and so it got to a point where I was like, when we got invited to stuff, I was like, I'm not going. And <clears throat> excuse me, my mom had told me at one point, like they went to the function and they, and she was like, I had to tell them like, if you're not going to honor my son and you're not going to call him by his name and use the right pronouns, we're not going to keep coming. Wow. Because at the end of the day, this is my kid, and y'all aren't gonna treat him like that. Yo, good for your and mom. So I, yeah. bro, ride or die. I love that woman. Yeah, absolutely. Good <laughs> so for yeah, um, and they like they kind of they they've come around now, mm -hmm. thank God. Um, but it's it's also kind of sad because I because it kind of took them a little bit longer, which I was fine with. I was like, I'll give y'all some grace. Like I understand this is a transition, yeah. but at the time where it was like most pivotal for me, it felt like they weren't willing to hop on the train with me. Mm -hmm. It seemed like they were very adamantly against it and i was like i can't have people like that around me yeah so not. yeah and so and even my like my dad's come around he he's also very avid supportive of me as well and so he was like he had multiple sit downs with his brothers and sisters and was like yo mm -hmm. y'all gotta get it together so yeah, and, yeah so yeah i mean it's been it's been difficult just because i live in utah and i don't go back home very often for them to like kind of keep up but i know that they're trying and i and i appreciate that from them so mm -hmm. I yeah. Love that. yeah. So 
I would ask, what is what would you say to, you know, just kind of hearing your experience, like this is something that's always been a part of you, right? You've mm-hmm. always been a boy. You've right. always been a man, right? Mm-hmm. So what would you say to people who who think that it's like, oh, it's something that you catch or like it's a mm. mindset or like, mm-hmm. oh, you're going to catch the gay, right, from <laughs> from reading a book, yeah. right? So what right. would you say to people, um, you know, having lived your experience, having mm-hmm. shared your experience, what would you say to people with that with that mentality? I would say that it's not a disease. It's not a sickness. It's something that people are born with, whether they like it or not. And nothing's going to make your child gay or trans. Mm. And you're not doing anything except for harming them by keeping those resources from them. Like banning books, getting exposure. Oh my gosh. Like that's so huge. I feel like having representation about, of like trans people and different things, um, it was key to my transition almost because it was seeing like trans characters in Degrassi and different things like that where I was like, okay, like I'm not crazy. Mm. Like I know this is an actual thing. And if it was something that you could catch, then you would be trans right now just from sitting across from me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we've known each other for three years. Like Nate, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. So, right. It's like, it's not, it's not a disease. I think it's, People, I don't know why, well, I do know why people think it's so terrible and they like demonize us and all this stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's like, you're causing more harm than good by sheltering people from information that they need to live their lives. Like if you don't get the care that you need, if you don't have exposure to who you are, a part of your identity, you end up internalizing that and it's, and you end up in a much worse state than you would be if you had supportive parents, supportive people around you. Mm. And it's like, to me, it's almost funny because I'm like, if somebody is gay or trans or part of the LGBT community, you keeping that information from them is not going to stop them from being gay or trans. Mm -hmm. Like they're still that, like that's who they are, period, whether you accept it or not. And so you're better off teaching them about it, learning about it for yourself and being open to the possibility that you could have a child that is gay or you could have a child that is trans because at the end of the day, like I said, keeping that information from them, not them not being exposed to that, I feel like is what causes harm to the community. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I'm not, when, when I like growing up, me struggling to accept I was trans for like the, the day or two that I struggled with it, mm-hmm. or even like growing up when, after I came out and having issues with my family, it's like, I didn't have an issue being trans. Like I wasn't sad that I was trans. I was sad that the people around me didn't believe me or like didn't understand or weren't willing to accept me for me. And that was what was causing me harm. Like Mm. that's why outside of like needing to get hormones and stuff, like that's what I was talking about in therapy. You know what I mean? And so it wasn't like, oh, I'm trans and I want like, I want to change this about myself. And I'm I'm great because there are people who go to therapy for that and that talk about it because because of what they're hearing around them. Mm-hmm. And so it's not something that you can catch. Like I didn't I don't know who I caught it from. <laughs> if I, you know what I mean? Right. Like, let's be honest. If y'all was really worried about catching the gay, they'd be a lot more concerned about wearing masks. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Right. For real. Honestly, these anti-vaxxers would not exist. Right. Like, so there was yeah. a gay vaccine. They Literally, like right away. Give me right. that. No, for real. Also, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, 
you know, I do want to, I want to make sure that we cover a couple other things because I yeah. want people to understand that like your trans experience is not the only thing that defines you. So we'll mm. get to some other stuff too. But yeah, before that. we do, um, what, uh, like, is there anything else that you would say, any advice that you would give to people who are going through their own transitions, who are figuring out their own identities? Mm. Um, you know, any last words before we, you know, pivot into um, other parts of your identity? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say live your truth, right? Mm. That's what it says on my shirt right here. Yeah, I would I say be honest with yourself and know that you're not by yourself, you're not alone, and there are people who love you and support you, even if they're not in super close proximity right now. Mm. You are worth, I'm like, I'm probably gonna start crying, dude, dang. You're good, there's some tissues right there. Um, I just think that it's so important for people to know that they are loved mm. and that they deserve love and that it's okay to be exactly who you are, the way that you see yourself, the way that you feel is valid. And don't let anybody, don't let anybody tell you different. Because you know yourself best. And if you and if you believe in God or you're struggling or whatever, like God made you the way that you are because he loves you. Mm. Period. Period. Amen. That's Thank perfect. you, man. Hey. Dang, I was trying not to cry. No, you did. Listen. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate Absolutely. that. Um, that's powerful. And I know that the people that listen are going to, you know, need to hear that and want to hear that. So thank you for sharing. Absolutely. It's especially powerful because it's coming from a black man and that's an mm. experience that we don't get to hear too often. So, so thank yeah. you so much, um, for, for sharing that. Absolutely, man. Thank you uh, for has, having me and asking that question too. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. I do want to, to kind of get into some of the other things that you do because mm. I've known you for a minute. I know that you are a talented actor. You're a talented <laughs> singer. You're, you're an artist and, and crafts person. You'd be doing crafts and stuff yeah. on TikTok and, and whatnot. Um, you mentioned earlier, you're an entrepreneur. You got your own business. So tell us a yeah. little bit about some of those things. Yeah. Um, I'll start off with, I'll start off with the business. Um, I started, so I, I own a clothing brand called Finally at Peace. Okay. Um, I started it a couple years ago. I think it was like 2020. And I and I, I've always been into like designing t-shirts. I've been designing t-shirts since I was in high school. Mm. Um, and I moving out to Utah kind of inspired that for me starting finally at peace because I realized that there wasn't a space for trans people, like there wasn't a lot of and just LGBT people in, in general. Mm. I was like, there needs to be empowerment here, there needs to be something that lets people know that like we're out here yeah. and for for us to see like we see you right mm -hmm. and so i started finally at peace because i was in a place of my in my life where i felt i was super at peace within myself and i wanted to encourage other people to live their life authentically and mom so on the front of the shirt it says live your truth and on the back it says be so completely yourself that other people feel safe to be themselves too mm. And so with my brand, I wanted to empower everybody to 
live in a way where they know that they're being true to themselves. Because I feel like when you're focused on living your life the way that you think is best for you and you're not harming yourself or anybody else, you're going to encourage, you're going to spread that light around to the people around you, to everybody. And other people are going to feel safe when they're with you. And like, that's what we want. Like I want to create a community with this brand. Um, and I also growing from just like t-shirts, I actually wanted to get like a facility to start a, a community group where people can come and meet and like get resources that they were looking for food or if they wanted just to be around other people who are like them or feel supported or they needed help in any way. Um, I wanted to do that. I haven't gotten to that point yet just because money is tight. Boy. Yeah, like, but that's the goal. Like I want to do something that's kind of similar to in circle, but not quite because I do want it to be more geared towards like BIPOC people, but more specifically black people um, in the, in Utah, just because I feel like there's not really a space for us, like I was saying earlier. Mm -hmm. So that's why I started finally at peace. And it's been, it's been a, a couple years. It's been a slow, slow, steady growth, but I'm excited because I, I've gotten a lot of ideas and I've met a bunch of different people who, who believe in the mission and who, who are willing to help out too. And so it's been fun to see, see all the possibilities and see where, where things can go, because that's like, I just feel like it's so needed. And so that's kind of what inspired it. I did my first market in, I think it was 2020. It was at Back to School Pride. I don't know if you're, you're familiar with Back to School Pride oh, yeah. at BYU. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. We're familiar <laughs> yeah. with it. Mm -hmm. So it was the year before that, um, that I did my first one. And it was so crazy because I had bought a hundred white t-shirts. They were all extra large. I got them screen printed and I was going to like guerrilla market it. So I wasn't even going to sign up to be a vendor. I was just going to show up and like try to sell oh, my wow. t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, cause it was getting, it was, I thought it was too late for me to sign up to be a vendor. Mm -hmm. But then I ended up messaging like the page and they were putting up flyers around Provo. And I was like, Oh, like, let me help you put up flyers. And the person who um, owns rainbow collective, Maddie, Mm -hmm. Um, she messaged back. She's like, "Yeah, help out." And then I was like, and then I ended up messenger after that, and I was like, "Hey, like, I actually just started a clothing brand that that does this. Like, would I be able to vent?" She's like, "Absolutely. Like, come out. You don't have to pay for your booth. Whatever, whatever, whatever." Okay. And I was like, "Dope." Yeah, <laughs> so I'm no, like, now real. I have to be worried about them trying to kick me out because I'm right. like, <laughs> 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 right? <laughs> literally. So, um, I did that. Like I said, I bought a hundred of them, and I literally, I think I sold like half of my inventory that okay. day. Yeah, yeah. That was good. it was crazy. I was like, dang. And it was crazy. Like I tied out a couple, a few of them. And like the, the response that I got, like the first person that came up to me to buy a t-shirt, her name's Chris. She actually, uh, if you're familiar with Strength and Shades, they do markets like once a month. Hmm. Um, yeah, for they, it's BIPOC owned and it, they geared, they're geared towards like BIPOC people, entrepreneurs and stuff. Okay, and so cool. it's a market full of all women owned or BIPOC owned um, businesses she came up she was the first person to buy a shirt from me and when i told her what my mission was she literally started crying mm -hmm. and she was like oh my gosh like she's like you have to come and be a part of my market like this is what we're all about we want to build community out here because it's so scarce like you know the black community people of color they need a space to exist and yeah. i love what you're doing with this and so um, so we're connected and like, I've, I've gone to strength and shades too. And it's an amazing space. If you haven't gone, go. <laughs> I've <laughs> never heard of it. So I, it's I amazing. Be in attendance. Yeah, yeah dude. I, actually, I think October 14th, they have a market up in Salt Lake. It's like public. So I'll send you the information. Okay. Yeah. But, um, so she was the first person to buy a t-shirt for me. And like, from there, like I would tell people my story and they would just like start crying. And I'm like, 
okay i'm like all right I'm like, enough yeah, right. it's my story not Honestly, yours yeah exactly yeah. So i'm just like but it for me it was like confirmations like okay yeah mm-hmm. like this is what i need to be doing this is where i need to be like this is needed and so even though it's been slow like i'm keeping at it because i feel like it is something that utah needs mm-hmm. and just like the world in general um outside of that like with design and everything like you said i do i started building a couch for my apartment which is crazy because yeah it <laughs> took like, a second for that to sink in i was like oh he said building a couch yeah yeah, yeah. so wow um not a clean segue but i um i just i like building things i'm a super crafty person mm-hmm. and so i've been i've been watching this like youtuber for a long time he he does diy stuff so he like build couches and build tables and i was like i can do that I was like, I can do that. That's amazing. And so, yeah, so I just, I moved, I just moved into a new apartment in Provo and I was like, I was looking on Facebook marketplace for different couches and stuff. And I couldn't find anything that I liked. And I was like, let me just build it, I guess. And so, yeah, now I'm doing that and it's insane. It's a very humbling experience because I literally have no idea what I'm doing. Mm. Like not a clue, but you know, it's going to be done and people aren't going to fall through it when they sit on it hopefully so, yeah that's, yeah that's amazing you've inspired me maybe i try building. I, I do enjoy hey. building stuff i got tools out the wazoo so maybe I'll hey try you should couch. it's worth it i don't know uh, maybe don't start with a couch maybe start with like a table <laughs> that's a good point yeah yeah i'll build yeah. a table first a little end table yeah exactly that's okay. safe bet safe bet for sure cool well, i love that man um i don't know anything else you want to talk what do we talk about we talked about your business we talked about um your your crafts do you want to talk about maybe some of the stuff that you do on on social media like oh yeah little crafts here and there um yeah i've been doing a lot of cooking on on instagram so far like i'll just find like honestly i just like to cook i think it's fun i think it's it's therapeutic for me i know some people get stressed out when they cook and Mm. that's understandable because Mm -hmm. it can be stressful but i've always liked to cook since i was growing up i grew up my mom would cook in the kitchen i always help her out and so um i would so now i like i've made mashed potatoes i made bread and i just like i like learning new things and learning new skills just because i feel like i probably have undiagnosed adhd Mm low-key and so it just keeps me busy it keeps my mind going and so i made bread the other like a couple months ago, I think it was. And I was scared because I was like, again, I have no idea what I'm doing. And, but it actually turned out really good. I was shocked. So we're going to have to trade recipes because I make some killer biscuits. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, dude, you got to hook me up. You have to give me your bread recipe. I'll give you my biscuit recipe. I got you. You make some good cookies too, I heard. I do make some good cookies. I I do some, I'm I'm pretty good at baking. Cooking, I can cook. I just prefer to eat. Kate, you know, chicken. I don't know. <laughs> Sweets. Okay. <laughs> right. I, pre- I prefer to, you know, get a burger than, you know, as opposed to cooking my own. But, um, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. Continue. No, no, you're good. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing on social media. I've been trying to, I'm on my content creator journey. I'm trying to get out there. We love that journey. Uh, right. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that algorithm is ridiculous. Right. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Doing reels, I'm like, okay, they say if I use this trending audio, my reel's supposed to pop off. And right. that's like, 60 views mother <laughs> <laughs> no that happened to me i i made a video i, I put some work into it and it was like mm-hmm. a commentary about this and i was you know and i make all these videos about jokes it'll get like 500 views mm-hmm. and then i posted a video where i found a, a spider i just like took a oh, video yeah, of me saw- finding the spider mm-hmm. 
that mug got 80,000 views. Bro, what? On Instagram. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, huh? what is that? 80,000 views for this? I found a spider and that's, that's what everybody cares about. But I'm out here like preaching about you Honestly, know, activism though, and inclusion and all that stuff. All the things you think that people would care about. It's like, all right, spiders. Yeah. Dope. It don't but, make any sense. Yeah, dude. Um, Something else I kind of want to touch on. We glaze over a little bit. It's just like me being trans in Utah, honestly. Mm. Yeah. Um, talk about that. So when I moved out here and I was living with homegirl and her parents, oh yeah, this, I feel like, yeah, this is kind of intense, but mm-hmm. um, I moved out here and I was living with them and they didn't know that I was trans. And then they, um, they found out because they wanted to, so me and her, we were going to, we were planning on moving out together. So the whole plan before I moved out here, she's like, we can move out here, mm-hmm. live here for three months, and then we'll find an apartment together. And I was like, okay, bet. So when I moved out there. They her family didn't know I was trans and we were cruising. Like I heard them, like I was, I wanted to tell them because I didn't want it to be this whole like thing that it ended up being anyway. But, um, but as I was living there, there was a lot of stuff happening in the news and like they would say stuff about gay people like i remember hearing her mom say one time it's like they god created adam and eve not adam and steve and oh, i was yeah. like I girl right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i was like okay definitely not gonna tell them mm-hmm. so um but then they ended up finding out because when our whole they were already upset because we were planning on moving out together mm-hmm. you know in lds culture like oh, yeah. that's forbidden right mm-hmm. and so um so when they found out that they were like, no, like, are y'all going to get married first? All this stuff. And we were like, oh, we're not ready for marriage, but all this stuff. And so then I was talking to her older brother one night and I was like, if y'all are worried about me getting her pregnant, like, you don't have to worry about that. Like, that can't happen. Mm. And he didn't ask me any questions about it at the time, but it definitely piqued his interest. And so then he then they Googled me, which I was like, interesting. Right. I was right. like, OK. Um, and they ended up finding my YouTube videos because I was posting YouTube videos at the time oh, about my transition. Okay. And so yeah. they found out I was trans through that. Um, and I was at work. She calls me and she's like, she's crying. And I'm like, what is going on? She was like, they know. And I was like, oh, snap, bro. Mm. So I was working up in Orm at the time and they lived in Lehigh. And so uh, she comes to pick me up from work and I I called my family because I knew I was going like that was where I was living at the time. So I was like, oh, I'm going to have to go home to these people. And so I called my parents and I was like, hey, like so-and-so's family knows and I don't know how it's going to go. Like just be on standby, this, that and the other. And they're like, OK, like if you need anything, let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, So we go home. It was like her entire family, except for her dad, because I think he was still at work in the living room just like waiting for us to to walk in and mm. i was like you're kidding i we, i was joking in the car trying to like keep it light i was like i should walk in and be like hey everybody what's going on yeah. like <laughs> like why y'all so tense like what's right. going on just pretend like you don't know right anything. like yeah. just be completely oblivious but she's oh, like man. do not do that and i was like all right so we go in uh-huh. and they're all sitting there it looked like they had it literally looked like somebody had just died mm. like you would think if you didn't know what was going on it's like oh my gosh like what is happening and so um, I walk in and they sit down and we, they talk and they were like, I think the first thing that came out of one of her siblings' mouths was like, why did you lie to us? And I was like, lie to you. Strong language. Yeah. I was right. like, huh? Um, I was like, what do you mean? They're like, well, like 
you didn't tell us that you were transgender or whatever. And I was like, right. I was like, I understand that. I was like, but I'm like, I'm a guy. Like, I'm still a guy. I didn't lie to you. Like who you see is who I am. Mm -hmm. You and her mom was and her mom was like, yeah, well, she's like, but I have a right to know who's in my house. Like, and I was like, you do know who's in your house. I was like, my name is this. Like, I'm from here. This is my family. Like, you know, I was like, I'm the same person that you knew before you knew that so i don't understand what the big deal is and they kept calling me a liar and that i was deceitful and like they're like you should have told us and um when they were talking to her they said her mom was like uh she's like so does that does this mean that you're a lesbian and she was like does he look like a woman to you like what are you talking about um and then her older brother was like so do we need to take you to the airport and i was like what are you talking about? They're like, well, you can't stay here. Like, so are you going to get a flight back to Chicago? Or I was like, well, I was like, no. I'm like, are you going to pay for my flight back home? I don't think so. That's wild. Yeah. So I was like, they're like, well, you can't stay here. So, and I was like, all right, like I'll find a place to go kind of thing. Um, And then I guess her dad didn't know. So they're like, do you want us to tell him or do you want to tell him? I was like, I can tell him like, I mean, I'm surprised y'all haven't already, but then he came home and like, I like told him, I was like, Hey, it's like, this is what's going on. And he's like, Oh, is that why everybody's all up in arms or whatever? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, he was like, I knew. And I was like, huh? Interesting. And he was like, I even, he's like, I even told, he's like, I even told my wife and I was like, okay, so if you knew, then like, why is everybody so shocked? Like, why is everybody so mad? And he was like, well, you lied to us about it and all this stuff. And I was like, you just told me you knew, bro. Like, right. like, like, what do you mean? I'm confused. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, you knew. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so after that, um, we actually ended up, so she came with me. She was like, I'm not going to let you, like, where are you going to go? I had just enough money to pay for a night in a hotel. Mm. And then the next night we ended up sleeping in her car. Wow. Yeah. And so we were in the process of looking for apartments and we had found a place. Um, and we were trying to get a hold of them to see if like they had approved us or whatever. And the night that we slept in her car, like they sent us an email saying like, Hey, like you guys are approved this and the other, you just need to come up with, I think it was like 1200 bucks for rent deposit, all this stuff. And the guy who was living in the apartment before us had told us that he was going to leave the deposit for us. So we only had, yeah. So we only had enough money for like rent and so when they told us that we needed to leave the deposit, we were like, what are you talking about? Mm. Like, so we had to come up with like another $600 in 24 hours, <laughs> which was crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, we ended up doing that uh, and we were able to get the apartment and it was like, it, it, everything ended up working out. But like just having gone through that, being homeless literally and like them kicking us, kicking me out, I was just like, whoa, dude, this is insane. Like they loved me before right maybe they didn't love me they weren't like they weren't like oh like asher's so great da, 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 da. but they definitely weren't like this man is like worthy of living on the streets you know what i mean like yeah. they welcomed me into their home and everything and so like the switch up was insane yeah, and i was absolutely. like bro like and so but yeah so that that caused a rift in our relationship and all that stuff um but that was insane and then i've also had other experiences where like dating people uh, from the church where like their family initially they're like oh like this guy's so great and then they find out that I'm trans and they're like we don't want you to be with our daughter like that's not the that's not the lifestyle that we want her to live and I'm like 
That don't even make what, what lifestyle? What lifestyle, right? Exactly. Being married like, to a man. Like, yeah, I was like, huh? I'm confused. Wild. So that, like, I think that's been like the hardest <laughs> thing being in Utah. Um, dating really is is kind of difficult. Just being a trans man, being a mm. black trans man at that, just yeah. because, yeah, because that's another layer. Exactly. Yeah, and so that's been difficult. But other than that, like, I've definitely been able to find community, like. I'm an, I'm in a choir, right? You know, that's how we met. We just to the, the choir. choir. And so mm-hmm. like, yeah, right. <laughs> we love the choir. Oh, um, and so it's been good. Like I've, I've been able to meet a lot of dope people like you, you know, Kimberly, who was on the podcast too, mm-hmm. like all these people who've been super supportive and like helped me build my confidence and like to pursue things like acting, like me being in in, in the heights, that was freaking crazy because I'd never Which done. Which you killed, by the way. Thank I went you. And saw that. And you, you did your thing. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you. It was super fun, and like I'm gonna do, I'm gonna audition for more stuff. And so, like, just like I was saying earlier, like having a supportive group of people and having people in your corner is always gonna be more beneficial than than not. And I feel like more people need to realize that being trans isn't. Some it's like I'm still a human being at the end of the day. We're mm-hmm. still human beings. We still are worthy and deserving of love. And knowing about honestly, I feel like people should see knowing about somebody's transness as a privilege. Like, no, you don't have to like yeah. praise me, but it's like if I if I tell you that I'm trans, it's because I feel safe around you, mm-hmm. right? If I if I like sit you down and disclose that information, it's because I feel safe around you. Because it's like that's not one. I don't think it's necessarily necessary to disclose all the time um but i also think that a lot of people don't disclose because it's not safe for us to and so being being around supportive people and living my life and being able to live my life authentically and like be who i am without Mm -hmm. fear of judgment has been key to how i'm able to pursue the things that i've been able to pursue like building my business and Mm -hmm. auditioning for things and singing in front of hundreds of people you know in the choir and stuff like that so I love that. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for for just sharing this story. It's been very eye-opening to me to just be able to learn a lot and um, learn about your experience and hear about what it's like to, what did you say, a a black man of the trans experience? Yeah. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. So Thanks, bro. Thank you, Asher, for coming on the podcast, for sharing your story. Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to share before we jump into recommendations? Um, No. That's it. Okay. Perfect. Well, in that case... We're going to do recommendations. Dope. I'll uh, I'll start with mine. And it kind of goes off of what I recommended a couple weeks ago, which is, I guess, last week. Um, last week, I think I had recommended a book called All the Sinners Bleed by S.A. Cosby. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I listened to another book by S.A. Cosby. And oh, S.A. Cosby is now my favorite author. Okay. Because, <laughs> my goodness, this other book was called Razor Blade Tears. And boy, oh, my that goodness. book was so good. I've actually... This is kind of a like it's kind of a whole thing. I've recently um just started listening to African American fiction. Okay. You know, because I'm like, I want to hear stories from a black like I want to hear black experience, mm-hmm. but I don't want to hear about like stuff that's just depressing. Like stuff that I like I <laughs> if I'm gonna watch something, I would much rather watch something that I can't necessarily relate to and like experience mm-hmm. secondhand. Yeah. And so being able to to just kind of like, and I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I don't have as much time to read, but being able yeah. to listen to these audiobooks, and these are books written by black authors about black people, and it's just experiences mm. that I can connect with on a different level. Like, don't get me wrong, I love me some Harry Potter. <laughs> but yeah, Harry Potter don't like, I you know, it's not um, it's not the same as reading a book by S. A. Cosby, and like, right. 
you know, hearing a book read by a black person about a black person. Mm -hmm. you know, it's just something special about that. But anyway, this book called Razor Blade Tears. It's about uh, a man whose name is Ike. Mm -hmm. And he has, uh, he's a black man. He's done time in prison. And his son, um, his son is gay. Okay. And he's married to a white man who is also gay, obviously. Right. Okay. <laughs> he's married to a white man. And they live in the South in Virginia. Okay, wow. And the 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 book opens up where he is at his son's funeral. And his son and his husband have been murdered because they were what? gay. Right. And I can give all this away because it's not even the like, uh, that's the best why I'm, I'm like, you said it opens right. with that. Like this is how it opens, right? Oh it, it, my like goodness. it opens like a movie. But anyway, uh -huh. it opens with him um at this funeral. Yeah. That where his son and his husband were were murdered because they were gay. Uh-huh. And him having to come to terms with the fact that he never accepted him as being gay while he was alive. Wow. And then he teams up with his son's husband's father to find the men that killed Kill. their gay sons. And boy, when I tell you this Bruh. book was nonstop action, just, <laughs> oh, it was so good. That so, is crazy. Yeah. Literally, you just giving that synopsis. I'm like, I'm hooked. <laughs> Sign me up. Absolutely. Like, and it's free. I, I got a library card, so I just plug it into the Libby app. Oh, dope. Yeah. And I can listen to it for free. And I, man, and this, I, I listen to everything on double speed. That's just yeah, the way my brain just, works. Mm -hmm. Everything's on double speed. So I think it's like a maybe a 12 hour book. I listen to it in maybe like a day. Oh, my like God. Six hours worth. But man, <laughs> I'm like, did you understand was, the words, bro? Like, <laughs> that's the thing. My brain, it just works that way. So okay. like, I watch YouTube videos on double speed. Like, just everything Dang, is double speed. Okay. Right? So, um, I'm like, I put it up to like 1.25. <laughs> That's what you start off 1.25, then you, then you like, take it up, and then eventually yeah. you get to that. Now I'm like, damn, two, two, two. He's you know, double slow. speed is too slow. All right, I gotta crank it up. Let's go to five speed. Dead. No, but um, yeah, Razor Blade Tears. It's an incredible book. Yeah, I love it. And you know, there's been a few others that I've read, but um, just being able to read um, or listen to books that just reflect a black experience. Mm -hmm. But a black experience that isn't real necessarily. Mm -hmm. you know Cause yeah, you know, like I hear a lot about trauma and, you know, yeah. just existence as a, as a marginalized person, right? But it's mm -hmm. sometimes it's good to just hear a story that I can relate to, but that also I don't have to live through at the same right. time. Right, exactly. I mean? So that's my recommendation. Yeah. I know that was long-winded. No, you're good. That book was so good. S.A. Cosby, I'm like, I want to read some other stuff now too. Oh, no, Dang, absolutely. what the heck? I'm going to read every single book I can get my hands on. <laughs> but uh, what's your recommendation? So, uh, my you recommendation, I have, I have two. One's a little long-winded, second one is not so much. But okay. my first one would be to do something creative, like learn a new skill or like just paint a picture, draw a picture, cook a meal that you never cooked before, add some different spices to it, just like spice up your life. You know what I mean? Like, I feel mm -hmm. like I always hear so many people say that like they're not creative or they don't have any type of creativity or whatever. I'm like, no, that's BS. Like mm -hmm. we are creators innately. And so my recommendation is just like, be free. Like, it's so fun to just, like, grab some paint. You can get it from Dollar Tree. It doesn't have to be expensive. Just, like, splatter it on a canvas. Honestly, mm. so fun, so freeing. Relieves a lot That's of stress. Jackson Pollock. That actually yeah. sounds very fun. I'm going to have to do it. Do it. Yeah, yeah it's okay. so fun. And then my second recommendation would be to listen to Victoria Monet's new album, Jaguar 2. Okay. She is amazing. If you heard the song, On My Mama, Oh My Mama, Oh My Hood. Yeah. She just re she released a song called Oh My Mama, and it's so good. It samples that. Okay. So good. Victoria Monet, I'll her new album. Solid. If you know, I don't know if you, do you know Lucky Day? Oh, yeah. He's featured on it, too. I love me some Lucky Day. Solid, bro. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
Yeah. So cool. listen to that album as well. Okay. I'll check it out. Dope. Cool. I think that's it. I think that's all. That's we all got. I got, bro. It's been a great episode. One of our longest ones. Oh, really? I think so. Okay. Close to it. I don't know. Anyway, it's been a great episode. <laughs> I can honestly keep talking, but I'm sure you got places to go. Yeah, bro. Get yeah. out of here. But thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story. Like I said, big fan of Black Menaces. I've listened to almost every single episode. Mm-hmm. I was listening to an episode on the way up here. So. Love it, love it, love it. so yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the platform to share my story. I'm going to leave you with the joke that you're going to understand. Oh, it's an honor and a privilege to be in the presence of Asher. You don't, you don't. Oh my, why do I not know that? The song from the choir. Oh, oh that's no. before my choir time, bro. Oh, really? No, it's not. It's it not. definitely is. No, you just made me, you just made me sing on the <laughs> air, know. and you don't even understand the joke. They don't, do they know you can sing, Nate? <laughs> you know, they don't know. Oh, they don't know. Maybe one of these days I'll have to. I'll have to. Sing, you have to get on know. here and and sing a song, serenade them, bro. Maybe I will. Maybe Show I will. your talents. Well, with that, we're gonna let y'all go because we're just talking. <laughs> <Not yet. laughs> we love y'all. Oh wait, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. One last thing. We gotta close out with the you know the closing comments. I almost forgot because I'm so busy uh, having a good time. I forgot this was a <laughs> podcast. Um, so you know, if you have any stories that you want us to share or people that you want us to interview, please email us at blackmenacespodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on all platforms at Black Menaces on Twitter, Instagram. Um, and TikTok, and then we're The Black Menaces on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel. Check out our videos. We've also released some Black Menaces University videos where we do like an educational series about different things. We have, uh, we've talked about why Black people go to BYU. We talked about how to be an ally. Pretty soon we're going to do one on should Black people go to BYU. That one will be fun, (laughs) especially following recent events. BYU stalker, you know who you are. Mm. And if you want to support us, uh, please feel free to Venmo us at The Black Menaces on, on Venmo. You can also donate to us at theblackmenaces.org slash donate. And then our merch store. And we're actually going to be releasing some new merch soon, as soon as I can figure out how to operate the website. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, theblackmenaces.org slash store. We got some cool stuff in there. We got the, you know, the OG t-shirt and some mugs, backpacks, things like that. So, you know, buy some things for Christmas. Do your thing. Uh, But with that, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening. And we'll catch y'all next week.